the Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. Hi there, welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Monday morning, and it really is March 9th, 2020. Sunny and warm outside. I love it. If it could be like this all year round, that'd be awesome. He is global fantasy champion Tristan, enriching all of your fantasy lives with advice and singing to make you a champion. Pushing all the right buttons is our researcher, producer, and friend, Kyle Sapi. I'm Eric. Someone has to read stuff. On today's show, as we start our Monday-Thursday schedule for the next six-plus months, more injuries, more news, more hash browns, more fun, but no coughing. Tristan, good weekend. Everybody happy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, I had a thought in my mind for a song, but it's just too it's too ambitious. <laughs> Save that Love voice. This. What? <laughs> Save that voice. Oh God. Yeah. No, I was gonna do a little when when I'm sixty four, but when it when it's sixty four, since that's the the high outside for me today. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's a it's a bright and sunny day. I'm gonna go out for a run after the show and No, uh, you're not. I am. No, and... you're not. You're going to your hammock. No, it's not out. It's not oh. out yet. I'm going... You you had yesterday. It was a beautiful day. You know what you I did? I had softball practice yesterday. <laughs> softball the first softball practice of the year you know obviously i haven't picked up a softball in like six months and i'm a little bit sore gotta admit a little bit sore oh boy <laughs> but i'll be so ready what happens when you turn 29 i've heard you know like the big 29 like your body just doesn't react the way it used to all right that's enough of this stuff i mean kyle's 18 so he's far he's so far away from dealing with you know physical ailments and things like that um Happy birthday kyle i didn't know 18 finally yeah you know big one for me that time <laughs> let's buzz it baby oh another show another yankee injury um tristan you've moved oh, for the yankees yeah. so um basically we should just fade the entire team in drafts and auctions because <laughs> Anybody on that club is going to get hurt. I mean, we'll do an update on Judge and Stanton in a minute and maybe Paxton. I don't know who else. But Gary Sanchez, who I'm fading anyway, and this will be in my Do Not Draft article at some point when they post it. But essentially, like, if I th think you're going to hit 220 or 230, which seems likely for several players, I just don't want you on my team. I mean, I'll, maybe round like a couple rounds after where you're going, you know, if I can help, if I can deal with the batting average, but. If you're a guy who's definitely not going to hit for average, I have a hard time taking you in the first five or six rounds, which you can probably figure out who I'm talking about my do not draft list. Gary Sanchez is one of these guys, and they don't have to take him to like round nine or ten in most leagues, but this is a back injury for a catcher who, who always seems to hit for a low average as it is. Yeah, he certainly does, but he is the best power source of any catcher out there. Uh, there's some who could compete with him for that, but I, I do think he grades in terms of the raw power the best of the position. The injury bothers me. I don't want to deal with question marks in terms of playing time from my catcher spot, so yeah, I'm with you. I'm moving him down. And in our game where it's one catcher, it's 10 teams for the standard, there is so much richness of talent at the end of your draft at that position. I mean, I'm, th I'm writing about three or four different names that I would be happy to take with my last round pick and put in the catcher. I'd probably feel better about that group than I did either of the past two seasons. So why spend that seventh, eighth round draft pick, which might be what it takes to get Gary Sanchez, unless you're in a two-catcher league. And even there, I... I hesitate to make him one of my first seven or eight picks. Catchers are such a poor investment, Tristan. They don't play 150 games like mostly everybody else. They go through more streaks because, you know, you take a foul ball off your, your thumb or something, your knees hurt. 
I mean, I, I secured JT Real Muto and NL Labor, and I felt okay about it because of the price, but I wouldn't have gone much higher. And you're, you're right, in an ESPN Standard League, I wait till the end. And there's a, you know, a myriad players just sitting there in round 23. Yadi Molina, Christian Vasquez, Robinson Chirinos, who hits his 17 homers every year. Sean Murphy, the rookie, Omar Novaez. So I'm not going anywhere near Sanchez. And in the ESPN League, I won't go near Real Muto or Grandal or Mitch Garver either. I just think they're poor investments. By the uh, way, I would argue that those players you name probably aren't even going to be there at the last pick. And that still doesn't bother me. There will probably be some people in a standard draft who draft the names you just said too soon, and even then it's not a problem. Look down lower, you see names like Carson Kelly, Sean Murphy's out there. I actually am a Danny Jansen believer, if you have to dig really deep or if you're in a 12-15 to team league. I don't think it's a problem. Take a young upside guy. Or stream it. Um, So I was being facetious about ignoring all Yankees, but what's your update on Judge and Stanton? We've updated our rankings since the last show. And I think, I don't know who was more cautious between you and me. It doesn't matter. I'm not getting these guys. I don't want them. I mean, I'm not sure Judge or Stanton plays more than 120 games this season. There was an update on Judge. It's a broken rib, right? Which happened like six months ago and nobody dealt with it. I'm not sure how that could even happen. But Oh, it happens. And that in itself is part of the problem here. All right. Well, what is the problem? Is it? Is it? Well, let's just say I this. I hate recurrence of the same injury. You know how that goes. I do not like having something that ties to the previous year lingering into the next, especially if it's something that could have been addressed during the offseason. He comes in now, and we're right back where we were, because we could be going, in the case of a setback, right to the beginning of his timetable, and that's months, not weeks. Nah, you could use your Stefania Bell voice here. You know this is bad, and you know this is going to linger. And you know you don't want to deal with it. Do so, you have to let it linger? Yeah. Nice. Sing more. Sing more. <laughs> I want to hear more. I've been sing. hearing that song a lot, and you know I have a, I have such an appreciation for the cranberries at this point. Like I'm, I've started hearing them more often, and I got to play them more often when I'm when I'm writing. It'll, it'll inspire me. Well, you you could wait till after the show to play some more because we can't do it now. Oh man. Well, I just sang a little bit for it. All right. Uh, any other Yankees? Where, where'd you put, okay. So let's put a where I your comfort level is price on these two. I, I, I had him 40th and 117 before the weekend news. That 40? was our adjustment after Thursday's show. Where are you at? I had judged like 50, and I thought, that's still too early. Stanton has that in my top 100. Stanton's actually the one who's going to play sooner. <laughs> but Well, you might have jinxed it, but yeah, I see your point. <laughs> He's I just, the one at least working his way back. Yeah, no. And Paxton, I've been fading in all drafts. If you're already hurt with something that I think could linger all season long, anyway, any anything that, that people can... Like Mike Tockman of the Yankees is going to play a lot. Yeah. Nobody's even drafting him in ESPN leagues. Yeah. I got him in an NFBC recently, uh, late. I'm thinking what he did last season was pretty legit. He might be one of the players who, if the baseball changes, you know, there's there's obvious guys. Jorge Soler, maybe, or Cattell Marte. Actually, Todd Zola, in his recent article, said Soler's not one of those guys. Marte is. Read the rest of the article. But... um I don't know. I mean, it seems like Tacklin kind of came out of nowhere, but I could see him doing something like that again. Anyway, I'm talking. This is the Yankee baseball podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it, it, it makes sense when you talk about players like this, the caliber of whom were all within the top hundred players a month ago. I don't think any of them are in the top hundred players in drafts now, which says a lot about this team situation. I want to move Sanchez, Gary Sanchez, out of my top five catchers. I do. That's what I want to do. Then you should do it. Um, yeah, just, it's hard to make the case to take him out of the top five based on what I said before about the power potential. I mean, to do that, you're pushing a Salvador Perez or a Will Smith or... You're right, I and I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah, and, and, and it, 
this is where it comes down to. When you say he's outside your top five, is it that you put him right next to those names I just mentioned as your fifth catcher? I think that's no. the impact. What I'm going to do is leave him as my number three catcher, but move him from like pick 100 to like pick 140. Because I just don't want players like that. You can figure out for yourselves the players who are low batting average guys. Mm-hmm. I just have a hard time like hurting myself in the category so early on in a draft, and I won't do it. Moving on now, Willie Calhoun, I know he's one of your favorites, Texas Rangers left fielder. He won't be playing for a while, an errant Julio Urias pitch hit him in the jaw, fractured it. I haven't heard an update on how long you'll miss, but this bodes well for Nick Solak playing now. I think he was going to anyway, but they could just dump Solak in left field and he can't hurt them too much defensively. What's your thoughts here on Willie Calhoun? Is he is, is he still draftable in the ESPN League if you have to wait a month, or is he not? Because how special was it going to be anyway, statistically? I, I think he was going to be relatively special, and the hesitations are related to the injuries, and not necessarily this one, but the past history had of it. The other was he's been a little bit variable in terms of power year over year since he came to the Rangers organization. But I liked the combo of contact, good plate discipline, and pop, and that ballpark being one that, while not quite the... I'm going to get this wrong every time. Globe Life Park versus Globe Life Field. You could not get more more confusing Texas Rangers in naming your ballparks here. I think it's going to be a a fairly hitting-friendly new park. I just don't think the wind currents are going to be quite the same, so it's not going to be as extreme. And that's going to suit Calhoun. I don't know if he's going to miss a substantial amount of time. I, I, I guess I would estimate he misses half to all of April and not more than that, so I'm still on board. But when he's not ready for opening day, he's probably not going to be in the opening day lineup. And as you mentioned, Solak is perfectly capable of taking an everyday job, and if he performs, then Calhoun doesn't have a path to playing time. Trey Mancini, the very good Orioles hitter, maybe they're only one, is set for non-baseball surgery. I've not heard what it is yet, but we hope for the best for him. First... And for his fantasy value second, obviously fade him a little bit here. So he probably will miss some or all of April. I mean, he could miss a lot longer. I don't know what the illness or injury is. Hopefully it's not a worst yeah. case scenario. Him, but, um, him getting, uh, we don't know anything about what's going on, but him getting better and us wishing him the best is the top priority here. I don't think even fantasy comes into the conversation, but I'm concerned. And, and from a draft perspective, it does have an impact on our plans. Any Orioles you want? It just got me thinking. Like Chris Davis, I, the first baseman of the Orioles, has had a decent spring so far. More walks and strikeouts last I checked. Power looks back. Um, would you take him in an ESPN draft? Because I think people are talking about that. I mean, nobody's talking about Anthony Santander or Renato Nunez. But I think Chris Davis, because you know we've seen him hit 50 home runs in a season before. We know what he's capable of. He has these skills. Yeah. Would you draft him now in a, in a shallow league like an ESPNer? I'm not talking about a deep league. Obviously, you'll spend a buck or two in in labor or tout. But even there, he didn't go for a buck. He was a first round reserve pick in labor, AL. which surprised me a little bit. Yeah, he was the guy I wanted in my in the draft. I actually wanted him as a one dollar player, and I didn't have the position for him at the end of the auction. Um, and in the ESPN standard, I don't think he quite gets there. Now, if he continues the spring the way he's hitting, then yeah, he becomes a Discussion point for around 23 to 26 pick. Uh, you've got to have a, a pretty sound group of batting average guys on your team already in order to even take this chance. But I don't have a problem with going with a gut pick as your last option if you know you're going to cut that player if there's problems in April anyway. 
I don't Orioles. The Orioles that I think are are in the ESPN conversation are Renato Nunez doesn't get enough credit for what he's done. He's going to play. He put up some pretty decent numbers. Not a lot of upside, but a solid late rounder. Austin Hayes could be an upside play if you want to deal with the injury risk for him. I know there's a little bit of talk about John Means and the stuff that he has. Uh, some positive signs uh, about him during spring training so far, but otherwise, no, there's not, eh, not a lot here. Um, other guys in the news, Jesus Lazardo of Oakland looks like he's a really good pitcher. I don't know how many innings he'll get this season, but he did strike out eight of the 13 Mariners he faced on Saturday. I didn't look to see who those players were. They might have been single-A players, or you, maybe you can't tell from their major league roster. But how much does a hype train move you on, play, on pitchers who are young, but you don't know, like, the, what, we always talk about their innings limits, but... I think Lazardo's in the rotation as opposed to Puck, who's injured right now. But, like, do you move guys up based on stuff like this or no? I do, yes, because in these cases, there are players who had questions about workload in the first place. And I always want the guy in this situation who's going to be in the opening day rotation. Because teams tend to find that their best arms are going to be the ones they re- rely on very heavily. And then they deal with the workload question later in the year. Chris Paddock being an excellent example of this. You want the guys who are going to contribute right at the start. And even if you just get a half year's worth of elite production out of them. And then you got to try to deal with shopping them later or finding guys to plug in around them. I want to be on board, and I am very much on board with Lazardo. I'm also pretty on board with A.J. Puck. These are two I was very disappointed not to get in labor. I just didn't have the funds at the time, but I, I like what they could potentially do. I have a 12-team keeper deadline coming up this week, and I might have to keep Mike Fires. That's not good. You don't have an alternative, huh? No, I don't see one. I could trade for one, trade a draft pick for one. That would be easy enough to do. I don't have a, This was a team I took over. Not my team. There was a dispersal draft. I have a lot of offense, but I didn't get a whole lot of starting pitching. I have Barrios, and that's it. Um, Fires versus Mitch Keller, but there's no bench. Keller. There's oh, no bench. No bench. No bench. Yeah. You oh. know, I, I would love to keep Mitch Keller, and I drafted him in this dispersal over Fires, but this comes down to a strategy. And an ESPN standard with, what, a three-man bench? All right. I, in fact, no. I wouldn't even bother to draft either one there. But in a deeper league... I'd be more likely to take Keller than Fires, just using these guys as examples. And this is the league where you don't have the option of removing the player unless nope. he is nope. You've got to be legitimately demoted or the on the injured roster, list right? or something like that. So, yeah. like as long as he's pitching, you have to have yeah, a backup, correct? Yeah, it's hard to get rid of them. So I don't think I'm going to let Keller go, and I might redraft him, but I might not. Fires is you know average, fine, number fifty starting pitcher, something like that. But, you know, you have to make decisions. Like, I have another keeper league where deadline was last night, and people were floating out some pretty big names to try to get a high draft pick or a two-for-one trade. And I thought, well, my last keeper is pretty good. Is the upgrade enough? Like, if I'm keeping Zach Greinke as one of the keepers, and somebody's mm-hmm. offering Walker Bueller, but the cost is high, I'd rather just keep Greinke. I like Greinke. You know, maybe he'll be the number 10 starting pitcher, whereas Bueller number five. It's not enough of a difference to me. So every league's a little bit different. So quickly on that one, philosophically philosophically speaking, because I run into this in a lot of my keeper leagues, two-for-one trades or attempts to get draft picks for the guys at the back end of your keeper list. In the longest league I have, these are failures right from the start as strategies. <laughs> do you do you think there's anything to pursuing a two-for-one? Is there is there is there an opportunity to be gained here by those offers? Well, which side? If, if I'm the one That's with, what I'm asking you. Yeah. If I have two marginal keepers and I can get Walker Bueller... And, and you're not going to get that trade. 
I'm talking. You'd probably have to be on the other side. You see, I see a I, mountain I pile. Never, of, I want to give you two for your one, or I want a draft pick from you for this guy. I almost always want the best player in the deal when it comes to keepers. I, I think people need to get more creative with their keeper deadline offers. I just I don't like just upgrading my last keeper, but paying a high price to do so. We 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 have in in this keeper league. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I'll get the the group email where it's eight names yeah. and they're all in competition for that person's last two spots, and like they're available for a draft pick. Yeah, I'm getting that in my leagues too, and I'm laughing at them and thinking I don't want any part of this. And I would never send an email like that. You've never seen me send one. Yeah, in any that's league. that's the thing. Like you're you're not going to get anywhere unless you're doing you're reaching out to a specific person because you see an opportunity for them and for you. You're not going to get anywhere with that kind of trade offer. Nobody wants to make a marginal improvement via trade and give up something that's like a draft pick that's locked in. That's a loss. That's lost value. Nobody wants to do that for an incremental upgrade. Well, let's let's uh, go into draft strategy now. So ESPN leagues are ten teams, standard points actually, or are they roto head to head. The standard is actually categorical head to head, but but it's a pretty even split between the three big. And points is very popular. And points is very different than roto. Points is definitely very different. If you yes. look at AJ Mass's rankings, they are very different than ours. Not right or wrong, just very different. Ours will be very similar because the only difference that I have with yours is is that uh, the guys we mentioned before about Lizardos and Pucks. That if Chris Paddock has a work load question late that's a problem in a head-to-head format well i just copy yours because you win leagues but nobody there has figured out that i'm doing that <laughs> oh i can influence where you put your yankees let's get you to be a yankee well I, I need you to resend your you know your excel to me today so i can just use it as mine okay um yeah, that would we'll work. take care of that uh, so here's what I'm reading. Average size Roto League, 8 to 12 teams versus average size head to head league. Which structure do you like a little bit more? Which one do you feel more comfortable with? Which one, what's the different strategy there for an average size Roto versus an average size head to head? Uh, which do I feel more comfortable with? It's Roto. I, I am not comfortable with the head to head just because, uh, well, I mean, I'm fine with it personally, but I don't like it as much because I feel like what happens is you spend all this time qualifying for your playoffs and then a lot of crazy things happen late in the season where you, you're the, the person who gets the two or three lucky streamers that week of your playoff matchup is going to win the league. So I don't think it's representative of who did the most as well as Roto does. I think Roto gives, it rewards the people who built a full year team a lot more effectively. I personally love points. I personally love points leagues. I'm probably strongest at points leagues in terms of the performance. And that's really just going back to my longtime home league where, you know, we don't penalize for strikeouts, but I'm, I'm constantly into the, the calculations, exploiting the, the, the little rules, loopholes relating to speedsters, starting pitchers who qualify as relievers and vice versa. There's a lot of little, you know, twists and turns in a points league that's not present in Roto. Punting a category, you're more likely to do it in a head-to-head, a Roto, or neither? I am more likely to do it in the yearly traditional roto, and it's got to be a deeper league, and it has to be because you have an angle on the draft pole. So, for example, the most notable punting year I did was in Tout Wars, the final year that you, they used batting average, the traditional 5x5. Five five. Uh, the last year they used it, I saw an opportunity. Batting averages across the league were down. That's the only reason I punted that category. I would think it would be the opposite, because I had to head, you know, if you have to, if you can win, like, Six to three every or six to four, and you just plan saves to do so. I think that would be something you would consider there. It's but. possible, depending on where I'm at for you the just week. Need the I win. I wouldn't know? do it as a draft strategy. All right, let's talk deeper leagues now. It could be roto head to head. You and I are in obviously deeper leagues, uh, fourteen plus teams. Uh, how much do you like? 
have to get stolen bases early or you have to get one of the top closers or you're concerned that there's not enough outfielders or starting pitching. In a deeper league, how does your strategy change? Generally, I there, I try to resist having to do anything because I think it really limits your options at the draft table. But the deeper the league, the more I am worried about the stolen bases. I, I don't, Eric, I'm like you. I don't like getting these one category speedsters. I don't like investing them even in a rotisserie league. I want to get players who do lots of things. I'd rather get five or six players who are going to steal me 15 bases than spend on the guy who's giving me 40 and absolutely nothing else. That's why I'm, I'm notorious for being anti Alberto Mondesi. I just don't want to deal with the risk and the variance of his projection. I just don't want to deal with it. I think Mondesi might lead my do not draft list right now. I, he's not playing early April. Well, clearly to the Van Wagon. Well, he's, he's, see, if he was healthy, he'd be different. His value might still be too high, but he might be going too high in drafts, is what I mean to say. Value yeah, is what we yeah. make of it. But he's just not playing yet. And anybody with an injury like that to his shoulder, a recurrence of an injury, and we think, oh, he'll just miss a couple weeks. It's not like the Jason Schmidt situation. It's not like Mike Clevenger this season. Montes can miss serious time here. And they have another shortstop, a young one, Nicky Lopez. So I I am fading Montesi. And when it comes to steals, I think I'm more likely to punt steals than saves now because you tell me this is fair. Saves come into the league all the time. You know, bad closers, bad teams. Who knows what the Giants or the Marlins are going to do? Maybe we'll do a carousel in a minute. Saves are not coming into the league. Nobody's just like popping up on the radar in June, stealing tons of bases. Steals, like, yeah, John Birdie coming. is a very rare case of a guy who last year just came out of nowhere and sort of started stealing bases, but saves are coming from everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, the best example of this one is a couple of weeks ago where I said that Garrett Hampson was my sneaky 40 steals guy. Not anymore. I'll tell you, you're not, you're not getting him at the price he goes for. And you're, he's also not. not doing that now. They're, 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 he, they're, Bud Block says Ryan McMahon is playing every single day at second. Right, place. I know, but my point being that steel sleepers are they, they don't exist. A guy like that is still being drafted as a top 200 player, even with the questions about playing time. So it just demonstrates that even the players we consider speed sleepers, they're going to cost you a premium. Let's talk auctions. You can do that at ESPN as well. What's your general strategy on an ESPN auction? Um. I, I used to be make a detailed uh, auction cheat sheet, price every player based on your own projections, and then go for nothing but value. Try to keep everybody beneath the projected values that you had there, and you'll clean up with bargains, especially mid and late into the auctions. I will say that nowadays I do try to get aggressive with getting three to five building block type players. They usually will give me a, a good foundation of stolen bases. They're going to be the types who have 20-20 potential, especially. Uh, Austin Meadows is a great example of this. I think he can contribute some steals and has some great upside both in batting average and uh, home runs. So I'm going to try to secure players like that early, and then I'm going to go bargain shopping in the latter half. It's what I did in the labor auction. Are you more likely to nominate players you do want or you don't want? I'm actually more likely to nominate the players I do want nowadays. Uh, I try to scatter this around. Um, I try not to, to make it completely transparent that I'm nominating a player I don't want. Usually I'll nominate players that I'm comfortable with buying, and I'm trying to avoid entirely the ones that I don't want. I find that those are not the ones that people are going to bid up and kind of drain their budgets on. They're going to see them as you know, bargain types anyway, so... You know, if, I, if I'm not prepared to roster that player, I'm not going to throw him out there. In labor last week, I was more likely early on to nominate players I didn't want so people would spend. It's like the end of a tier. But in the, in the middle, I just was nominating players I did want. And, and 
sometimes making it a little too obvious that I wanted them. Somebody would say eight, I'd yell right away nine. I was like, I wanted to be in on this first. It was pretty obvious who I wanted. But everybody in that room was a veteran, and a, you know, a veteran expert analyst. So it was like nobody was going after me. Right. Um, so it was okay to make sure I got like real Muto. I, I was willing to go 2021 and then it just stopped and I was like, cool. You know, I would have gone to 25 on him. So I, and there I were other no players that's that like, I didn't want, but the price was so good. I just ended up with them. You know, I, I, didn't I think, target Harrison Bader, but he stopped at like nine. I was like, okay. Yeah. And I think in your case, the, the only thing I wouldn't do is I'd try not to make the aggressive bid and only do that on the players that I really want so that people can tell that, you know, it's your tell then. Um, I, I try to do that on players even that I don't like. There are occasional times where I'll note down on a sheet, this player is a $20 player, we're starting the bidding at $13, and I'll jump in right away with 14 to make it look like I'm interested and hope that that carries the bids elsewhere. you got to vary it up a lot. You, there, if you stick to one specific method of nominations or bids, people are going to figure out you out quickly. And as you said, it was a room of people who are experienced players. I think that people are going to find these little advantages in their own leagues where there are people who are not as experienced to auction players. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. So what if their site's annoying and doesn't have the events you want? Hello, status quo. The real question is how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? Well, with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you are looking for all in one place. In an industry that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows more than 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? It's just a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, and then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. And finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Now, we all have the SeatGeek app on our phones. It's by far the fastest and easiest way to find tickets. In fact, I just used the app to buy tickets to a college hoops game, and it could not have been easier. Got great seats for a great price. Saw a great game. Basically, it was great. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase, and all you need to do is use the promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code FFB. For $10 off on your first purchase, that's promo code FFB for $10 off on your first purchase. The The Closer closer carousel. Carousel. All right, Tristan, we should do a carousel on every show. People love The Closer so much. So briefly, I'm going to ask you about a team, give you 30 seconds. Who's The Closer right now? We start with the Miami Marlins. <laughs> Heck of I know who that's going to be the full year. Uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be Brandon Kinsler, at least initially, but you and I have mentioned before that he's not pitching particularly effectively this spring so far. Could somebody like Ryan Stanek involved? We've seen past years where Adam Conley was a candidate for them. I'm going to steer clear of Miami. Wrong! It's Ryan Stanek. Next up, San Francisco Giants. <laughs> who do you like here? <laughs> I don't even know if Tony Watson. All right, Watson's I like yet. it. <laughs> Giants. I, I think it's Tony Watson, but he hasn't pitched yet, right? Or yeah. something. So, and Sean Anderson's given up like nine runs and in two innings as a starter. So it's not him. You know, it could be Trevor Gott. What do you think? Is it Tyler Rogers? Might be. It could be any of these guys. I, I think that Watson is the wisest of investments, but. Don't ignore Rodgers. There's going to be somebody who sneaks into this mix. How confusing would it be if there's a Tyler Rodgers and a Taylor Rodgers closing for separate teams? And aren't they related? 
I don't know. I think f- I'm going to find out now. I think you should. Yep. I will. Of course, I have one more team to ask you. Three per per show. Your Baltimore Orioles. My Baltimore Orioles. Do you know what team I root for here? I thought it was a Mets. Um, <laughs> they are, by the way. They're twin. They're identical mirror image twin brothers. Wow. And one of them throws left hand. I think I saw that story somewhere. Right. <laughs> one, no, I'm serious. Taylor. Taylor of Minnesota is the lefty. lefty. Yeah. Tyler is like the submariner righty. Oh wow. Is yeah, he? that is interesting. So they're not identical. <laughs> well, he's a mirror image twin. <laughs> I'm looking at it right here. <laughs> Trust everything that Wikipedia says. They may look the same, but they don't throw the same. <laughs> so they do not throw I, the same. I looked up past seasons here, and the Orioles are going to be bad. And the last time the Orioles had a guy with at least 20 saves was Zach Britton like four seasons ago. So why would I draft Hunter Harvey? I mean, maybe he's got the best stuff. He's a rookie. He's probably better than Michael Givens. You might be better than him. But the point is, like, <laughs> if the Orioles are going to lose 100 games, and it certainly seems like they're going to, why would I want their closer? Because studies show it's hard to get a lot of saves out of really bad teams, and the Orioles haven't had anybody get 20 saves since, like, like 16. Right. The the really, really bad teams, which means going beyond 100 losses, that does suppress save totals, especially if in this age of bullpens by committee. Uh, why do you want Harvey? Just because, as you mentioned, he's got the most intriguing stuff of the bunch. Although we did watch, it was uh, it was Tanner Scott who hit 101 yeah, on the radar gun in the game we went to, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. So I think they could mix and match a little bit, and you could squeeze a little value out of him. I think there will be days that Givens does get a save here or there. Uh, they had uh, Sean Armstrong, who, you know... That's basically just a manager saying, oh, he has closer stuff, and everybody's running with it. It seems a little ridiculous to me. I don't know that people are drafting that way, but you're right. I think that that's, that's, where, that's where we're headed. As long as that's not drafting him in the top, I'd say, 350 overall players, I'm okay with it. But once right. he gets in that level, yeah. All right, play that funky music, soppy boy. You should have sung that. He didn't have any music. He didn't know how to win. Exactly. <laughs> I want to keep my job. What? Uh, I'm sure we have lots of questions today. Well, my first question is Taylor and Tyler Roger. Like, what is the parental discretion there that goes naming twins that close? Oh, I like that. Really? Yeah. Why? George Foreman would have named them both, well, both okay. George. <laughs> Are we modeling parenting behaviors after George Foreman here? I don't think you can like rip parents for how they name their children. Well, why make it that close? Like you're asking them to get confused. You think talk- that's confusing? <laughs> you think that's confusing? How about the Odors? Oh, okay, I'm not. Again, I'm not saying that they have. Yeah, they're, both they're, out here. they're both rude Ned. That's I, just that's. They both hit 220 every year, but um, bump. Um, I don't know. I I think that's cool, actually. I would Here's, do something. Right, like that. Right. I'm out on naming your brother and sister whatever identical. Do you have an announcement to tell us? No. <laughs> no. Just, you gonna announce it here on the show? No, I wouldn't name. <laughs> Oh my goodness, Tristan! Oh my goodness. <laughs> What's happening? He's eighteen. Wow, oh, mirror I'm image twins on the way, huh? No, no, no. <laughs> no? My wife's the twin, so it skips a generation. You know what? If I, you I know, if it anymore. was mirror image twins and you named them the same, it'd have backwards. to be backwards, right? Yeah, do the backwards forwards name. Uh, so you'd have to name them like Hannah, Hannah. So it'd be, let's see, Taylor would be. <laughs> <laughs> Rawlyat. <laughs> Rawlyat. See that? Taylor Rawlyat. That makes sense to me. The lefties Rawlyat from now on. Uh, now you're wasting time. All right. Jack's got a question. He wants to know in the Rays outfield if there's anybody of value other than Austin Meadows. <laughs> um, in the Tampa Bay outfield, anybody other than that? Um, well, it looks like they're going to platoon in center. 
which is a little bit annoying, but smart, right? Because <laughs> it seems odd that they would have traded. They should, them. considering one of them is one of them brittle. can't hit lefties at all, and the other can't hit righties. So that seems like a natural platoon to me. Yep. Um, They're mirror image outfielders. They, are you saying the Rays are going to platoon? Well, wonders never cease. Who's playing left? Renfro. Is he, though? Yeah. I think so. The majority of the time. Right. Who's your other candidate? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out right now. I mean, I, I they have so many names. I mean, Tsutsuko can play somewhere, right? But I don't know where. So third, third base, base is the... Uh, is Are really going to play him at third base? Well, that's the thing. Third base is the very uncertain position for the Rays because Tsutsugo has been getting time there. You have Yandy Diaz and you have Nate Lowe who's been dabbling in playing third base and... I don't think any of them are capable defensively of playing there every day. I mean, obviously, when I said left and right, you, you know, Meadows will play left because uh, Renfro's got the cannon arm. He'll play right. I just don't know if Renfro's an everyday player either. Sutsogo could play D8. I don't know. They have so many names here. I mean, on their bench would be like uh, Jose Martinez is a bench guy who's got to play. I assume he'll be platooning with somebody. Maybe Tsutsugo, maybe G-Man Choi, who I like. I, I think it's hard to expect... Anyone on the Rays to get... Does anyone on the Rays bat more than 600 times? Uh, Meadows will, if healthy. If, he's, if healthy. Yeah. Which has been an issue for him. It, I think that's the only obstacle to him batting 600 plus times. He's their best player. And he, yeah, he's got to play every day. He's By the, the way, only uh, one... Yeah, he's the only one who I think is written in the line. I don't know what the lineup is. Is Brandon Lau at the top of the order? Is um, Adamas? And then... A lot of questions with this team. Who's their leadoff hitter? Is it Lau? Hmm. That is a good question. I mean, I suppose he's... And then candidate. we got the Blake Snell questions, the Wander Franco question. Do you even bother drafting him in a, in a redraft? Who's their closer? Man, there's a lot of questions on the Rays. Trying to dig up what their last lineup was. Anywho, it seems um, like the Rays will be talking about a lot in March but, because there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, but... Okay, so let's contrast them against the team we mentioned before, the Orioles and their offense. Is that, yeah, well, I mean, the value points for the Rays are obviously higher than the Orioles, but they're also in an uncertain playing time situation. I find, on the whole, the Rays a lot more interesting, almost every single name on this roster. I find them very interesting players because of the way the Rays approach things, and that is that they maximize their matchups. I bet bet Adamas leads the team in plate appearances. Because I don't see see Wander Franco playing in the majors this year. Are you in on Adamas? Not really. I feel like that was a good year, but 250, 15 to 18 home runs doesn't really run. That's mm-hmm. at the bottom of the lineup most of the time. So I'm yeah. not really in on him. But he's the, you know, like I had to get, man, I haven't really been targeting shortstops in a lot of leagues. There was a recent draft, I guess my score sheet league, I had to take Freddie Galvis. I, I just needed playing time at that point. Um, there was another league where I think I took Adamus, but it was late and there weren't a lot of options. I, it was like a Glacius was out there and, like guys like Didi were all gone, long gone, you know. I just I haven't been like focused on shortstops in the first ten rounds of drafts, which is odd. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, Blake Snell. At some point, we're going to find out some more news here, and yep. it's probably not going to be very good. So be careful <laughs> if you've got him. Like I would keep him in a keeper to a to degree, and I still have him among my top twenty starting pitchers. But I don't know if I would draft him right now in the first five rounds. I don't think I would. Yeah, I would be uncomfortable with that, too, with his injury status a little uncertain. All right, next. 
Michael loves that you guys were on Christian Walker last year. Helped him do well. He wants to know if there's any hitters that stand out of a similar ilk heading into this year. We were Tristan was all over Christian Walker last March. <laughs> he was pumping him up in every podcast on in his writing on the streets. He'd walk by people and say, "Yo, take Christian Walker." That's what he was doing last oh, March, sure. and I was like, "I don't know, man. I've heard of him." <laughs> Yeah, it was, the it was, sad part was I had really liked him at the close of the previous year, <laughs> and I cooled on him on the process of the winter before you jumped on board. And then the the labor was he a dollar pick in labor? I got him for a dollar in labor. Oh. I took him in our Sims. I took him everywhere. And I yeah, I remember I flashed you a look at that one, being like, "Hey," <laughs> and it worked out. And it may it work. Sure did. And, but I don't expect him to get better. So like. It, Christian Walker should end up like 260, 25 home runs. Don't expect like a step up. And they do have other options there. I think Crone's still there, and they have that that kid that got in the trade beer from Houston. Seth Beer. Right? Who's yep. got to be first base only. I mean, the DH is coming to the National League in 2022, I guess. So maybe, you know, they'll wait for that. You, but, you, you just angered a whole subset of baseball I don't care fans. anymore. And then, you know what? I, I, You're not I'm wrong. A, I'm just... a guy who doesn't generally like the DH, but the way pitchers are hitting in the past couple of years, I mean, this is crazy. They don't hit at all. Yeah, Yes, you can name a couple guys. Bumgarner hits. There's very few pitchers that are worth it, and pitchers aren't even going six innings anymore, so I... Anyway, I'd be fine with the DH. I want it now. Stick Reese Hoskins there, because he can... He's a, wasn't, he was an awful left fielder. He's a pretty bad first baseman, too. Mm-hmm. So, And by the way, if he's going to hit 230, I don't want him. Anyway. So who's your guy here? Christian Walker. What was the question? Actually, we need to find this year's this Christian year's Walker. version. We, we gotta we gotta look at it as they can't possibly cost even five bucks in an only league. Well, Evan White to me is is gonna do what Christian Walker did last year, and nobody's drafting him that way. I, I I'm sure I rank Evan White much better than you and most other people. I must. Well, I bought him in labor for more than five, so he doesn't even qualify for. Well, I told you to do that. You finally listened to me, and and you did. This is true. He did text me mid mid labor when he heard that Evan White's name was up, and he said, "If you don't get in on this, yeah, you 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 got to walk home." Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, Dominic Smith. I, I would disagree with you only on this that I think White is better for batting average than Walker, but weaker for power. But what that a, could raise the floor. Austin Nola, half catcher, half first baseman, twenty five home runs. Could you see that? If he qualified at catcher, I'd be on board. I'm, he I'm will. Not. He's the only other catcher. They have him and Tom Murphy. Mike Ford could do it if he plays a lot. If if your boy Voight Vo- Vo- gets hurt, I'm not doing the weight on Nola thing. Um. Dominic, yeah, Dominic Smith is one who I keep, I keep wanting to making keep wanting to make the case for. Not defensively sound in the outfield. This would be if the Mets had a DH, I'd be all on board. They had a mic on him at the ESPN game last week, and it was fantastic. They had mics on Jeff McNeil and uh, JD Davis and Dominic Smith, and Smith's playing left field, and he's like, "I hope somebody hits it to me." I hope, and then like they're all talking at the same time, and then like he couldn't hear anything, so he's just talking randomly. <laughs> JD Davis isn't playing; he's in the dugout. I'm telling you, that was great. I know that you can't do this during the regular season, but I, I thought that was fa- fantastic. And they're giving away like they're at, at the plate. Oh, I think this is going to be a fastball. And then Smith hits one to deep left right up against the wall, and, and he's, like, talking. It, that was great. That was yeah. great. Anyway. Got to do that more often. Um, um, so Christian Walker is not last year's Christian Walker. You know, the Jimmy guy who Troy. does strike me as Christian Walker, except the the path isn't clear like it was for Walker at this point, is Nate Lowe. Okay. Although the path wasn't all that clear for Walker. 
It was much clearer than it is for Lowe. Because everybody thought Jake Lamb was their first baseman. I'm like, no, Jake Lamb can't hit. It's going to be Walker. Okay. I, yeah, yeah, you know what? All right, I'll get on board with that then. Maybe I should put Nate Lowe on this list today. Hmm. If a guy can hit, he'll find a way into the lineup. Next. How about, how about Ian Happ? Yeah, he could be their center fielder, right? He's got a path to second base. I He's think got David Bodie actually is, is like a potential 22 home run guy. No? I just don't see the ceiling being high, super high for him. I don't think Christian Walker has a ceiling that's high. Look, he hit it. I'm just saying if David Bodie gets 500 PAs at second base, he does what Walker did last year. David Bodie, I'm nominating him. All right. All right. Given their expectations and draft day price, Zach wants to know which of the top 10 closers you're most interested in. Oh, boy. I've been debating here whether to put Josh Hader on my do not draft list and... <laughs> I don't think I'm going to this year. I always put the first closer, but it's always like Kenley Jansen or Kimbrell. And I mean, I could put Kimbrell on it. He, he looks terrible again this spring. He looks like he's not back. I'm thinking of dropping him down the rankings. Who do I want or who am I avoiding? Let's see here. Of the top. I think it's Liam Hendricks, who nobody seems to be ranking like I am. And I, I think he's going to be like if, if Liam Hendricks is going two or three rounds after Kirby Yates, give me Liam Hendricks. Where are you um, ranking Liam Hendricks? I have no idea. Just... Maybe like on number 100. Top five. Probably number five after. I mean, you have to have Hader first because of the strikeouts and Yates had a monster yeah. year. I don't think Yates is necessarily, necessarily this year's Blake Trine just because Trine did that last year. In fact, I think Blake Trine's going to get some saves. I don't care what Kenley Jansen's spring numbers are. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I know we're on opposite sides on the Kenley Jansen. You like Kenley Jansen this season. I, I, I can't do it. I, I think he's all right. I think he's all right, but people are drafting him as if he's a monster, and he's not. Give me Taylor well, Rogers. I, for me, it's a matter of not wanting to draft the position too heavily. So we probably have. Well, yeah, I don't no, want we to. I, I'm a pretty much change. avoiding. Like Liam Hendricks is the one closer in the top ten. And I think I would take there. Taylor Rogers maybe as well. I think he's safe. And then down, like Hector Neris is safe for saves. They're not going to give it to anyone else. Hansel Robles is safe for saves. I am I all on I still think you're just with... totally wrong about Atlanta. It's Melanson. It is. It's Melanson. Oh, I They're Will, saying I, well, I it. I move Will Smith down. I, 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 I am concerned about you that. You have to. He's a superior pitcher to Mark Melanson, but... Kind I, of irrelevant in this case. Yeah. It, it's difficult to ignore the trend. All right. I, I admit that. Uh, I probably should have Edwin Diaz in my top ten clothes. I do. I do. Do you? Because well, that, again, can't, that can't happen again. With the eligibility that... It, it can't happen again. He can't give up that many home runs to right-handed hitters like that again. He's just, he's better than this. Yeah. Yeah. The strikeouts were there. Just really bad luck. Like the worst luck you've ever seen from a closer was Edwin Diaz last season. Skills were still there. Hater. Yeah. Hater. <laughs> Reading the question, the, the answer is clearly here. By the way, you know, the more I do research on our other sleeper, uh, the more similar I find he's to Josh Hader, Nick Anderson. I think Nick Anderson is this year's, well, He's not getting 40 saves. I, I want to say Liam Hendricks or Kirby Yates, but with like 25 saves. Skills-wise, though, Skills he wise, is suspiciously right similar to Josh Hader. The K rate is similar. The fly ball rate is similar. Yeah, Last year, absolutely. he had a 26% swinging strike rate after the trade to the Rays. That's absurd. And, and the more research I do, I keep finding like names like Karinchak, who struck out like 50% of the hitters he faced or something crazy like that. And you think... A guy who's getting this many swings and misses is going to move into a more important role at some point, right? I mean, everybody's talking about Emmanuel Clays to Cleveland, but he's he's out for the first half of the season. Yeah, eight to ten like, weeks minimum, yeah. So, 
you know, if Seth Lugo continues to pitch great, opportunity will find him. Karinchik, so, I agree with. I, I like the skills. I think the path is n- not completely clouded. Brad Hand did struggle in the second half last year. He I did? just, I, I, I fear the the lessons of Rex Brothers and and AJ Minter. <laughs> These, you know, we sometimes get a little bit too optimistic about young guys with great stuff. I just want to be careful. I mean, like. I went through the Jose Leclerc experience last year. If Rafael Montero is having a big April, I'm going to add him in a deeper league because I think he'll take the job. I like him a lot. Right? I mean, because yeah. you have to see where if a guy's just pitching better, at some point it could change things. Anyway. Skills definitely for Montero played up quite a bit in the bullpen. All right. What else we got? Last question here comes from Jesse. He is the first pick of draft slot. Coming in this year in a 12-team Roto, he wants to know what you guys would choose as your draft slot. My first pick would be first because I want to be able to choose between Trout, Acuna, Yelich, who I really want. I may regard them as all the same, and you know, maybe just for fun I put Trout third so we could have a difference of opinion. But, I mean, I view them all pretty similarly. In fact, Acuna's having a terrible spring, and not that I'm worried about him because of that, but... If I didn't think it looked bad, I might switch him. And But I want first pick first and then last pick because I love having consecutive picks in a draft, a deep or a shallow, <laughs> and not just because it's easier for my for me personally, especially like in an NFBC where you have time clocks. But I, I the 12th pick's a really good spot. 12 and 13, you're getting Freeman. I got Soto in a league. You're getting, if you really want Tatis, you take him there. You're, you're one of the good starting pitchers will be there for you. Maybe not in the grab and call, the grab and call, but... You know, if you really want Verlander or Scherzer, you're going to be getting there. So I want the first pick first or the last pick. What about you? Yeah, and the only challenge I provide to that one, and it's not so extreme this year, is that it's the third and fourth round swing picks. That's usually where the talent You always want, like, the fourth or fifth pick. You're not like, necessarily. For the tier ends. And you, I, like, I you like to pick in the middle of rounds. No, you and I had this conversation when we were out in, in, in uh, Tampa that – I think that the 12 in a 12-team league is actually pretty appealing. I think that the talent pool does extend beyond that 36th and 37th overall player, whereas it didn't in the previous two to three years. I still think this year, because those three players you mentioned, Trat, Acuna, and Yelich, are so head and shoulders above everybody else that I want the three. I'll happily take the one that's left behind. And if I'm in a league with you, I'm not picking the one because I know you're not taking Trout at one. (laughs) I'm not so sure about that. I mean, it depends on the style of the league. Oh, then okay. Well, I'll still take the three. Different. I think they're one, one A and one B. The other question I'd ask Jesse himself is, how comfortable do you feel with taking Garrett Cole as your first round pick? I don't have a problem with going with that and then going with that modified Labadini style strategy. I wouldn't do as as extreme where you take the ace and then you try to go cheap everywhere else. And if that's in the conversation, then take the four. Okay. Well, I'm glad we differed. I see like 12, like 13, 14 guys as first potential first round picks. So someone's sliding in every draft. So yeah, picking you, last, I love Freddie Freeman, t- Trevor you, Story. You had the 15 team. Who, who slipped to you at 15, 16 and then NFBC? Uh, Soto and Rendon, I believe it was. There you go. Or Soto and Freeman. It I'm was with, one of those. It was definitely Soto was one of them. I was like, this Soto is crazy. and Scherzer in labor. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you there got you Soto go. and Scherzer. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think Scherzer are a little bit like Trout. You know, the numbers will be great, but you're not getting every game. I don't I think do anyone that. has any reason to fear getting the last pick. 
I just feel like those top three are ahead. And when it comes to a draft, you know, and it's moving around, I, people say, I want the middle of the round because I miss out on runs. I don't care about other, what other people are doing. I care about what I'm doing. I start the runs. The other thing is um, I like narrowing it down to a couple picks, and I feel like if I'm narrowing from three to four and I'm picking two of them, I like doing that. It's just a personal thing for me. So mm-hmm. I like picking consecutively, so I'd go first or last. Anyway, oh, that's Incidentally, lot. in the deeper 12 to 15 team leagues – I've had discussions with people who drew the one, two, or three where they were not happy with what was left at the end of round two. Another counter-argument supporting your pick. On the next show, you can tell me how I, I have to do two auctions at the same time. Oh, how how tough will that be to do two auctions at the exact same time? Well, but See, the music is getting you into a chill mode, which is going to help you with that. I'm going to lay back, relax in my hammock. Yeah. Open up two windows to try to do auctions. And, and in one of these auctions, Tristan, with you, I have had very little money. The both are keepers. And one of them, I have like, I don't know, $90 for like 20 players. The so other one, I have like up. $300. You're going to show up by nobody until the last five minutes of the auction. Right, I'm Get thinking that's how it's going to go. I could see that. And to be honest with you, I'm not even sure I can open both of these windows on my laptop. Well, but we we'll find out. out if you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I can do it on my phone either. So that's quite the conundrum that I have coming with next week. But that's a, sh- that's a time for another show. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next time. Tune on. in next time as we do lots of fun stuff. Listen to lots it's like of a music. soap opera thing here. Who will be hurt on the Yankees on our next show? We'll find out. Oh, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Got to keep it the chill. Any, the anything Yankees else you'd like to add as we wind this down, Tristan? On a busy Monday morning? will all be healthy. It'll all be wonderful. They will win 375 games in a 162-game schedule. I'll take the under on that. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you need a nap. We're done for today. Thank you so much for listening to our little show as my voice cracks because I'm 12 years old. For Kyle and Tristan, I'm Eric. Be awesome! Everything is awesome! Darkness!